0: If you want to make your way to Psalm 138, great to see you this afternoon, Gresham Bible Church, excited for our members meeting after service and all the awesome potluck goodness that awaits all of us. But before that, we're going to be in Psalm 138. And if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, feel free to grab one on the back table. And if you don't have a Bible, please keep it as Gresham Bible Church's gift to you. Our text today, as you make your way there to Psalm 138, is about thankfulness, and I've been reflecting on thankfulness uh, this week, and the lens that I'm seeing it through is as a dad, and a lot of you in this room, no matter the ages of your kids, are dads, and there's two situations that are in my recent history that I want to share to kind of lead us into the thankfulness text, and they're both, because he's here in class, uh, I I can give his name, they're both about our four-year-old Owen. And they're going to highlight thankfulness in two different ways. First, a few weeks ago, Owen and I went on a daddy day date to get a donut, right? Like what better thing is there in the world for your four-year-old to go on a date to get a donut? So we go over to donut world off of Burnside. Owen looks at all his options, you know, in front of him. And he lands on his favorite donut, a chocolate donut with sprinkles on it. Like life is good. So we go and sit down. Owen takes one bite of the chocolate donut with all the sprinkles on it. He does like this perfectly comedic pause moment, closes his eyes, and I'm quoting Owen right now. He goes, mmm, tastes like freedom. And in that moment, (laughs) right, like doesn't a donut taste like freedom? That's the best review ever. And uh, in that moment, I just couldn't help it. I just Felt feelings of thankfulness for my amazing four year old son that just said a donut tastes like freedom. Like, amen, son, amen, right? Well, on the flip side of that, we're going to keep it real as a dad. On the flip side of that, a few weeks before that, it was a lot harder for me to be thankful about Owen. And the reason why is because Owen and one of his sibling accomplices whose identity will be protected. Thought it'd be a good idea, for I have no idea why, thought it'd be a good idea to use the heating vent in their room as a urinal, is basically what happened, right? So in that instance with Owen, I didn't have these feelings, these welling up of thankfulness towards Owen, right? If I'm being really honest, it was a lot harder for me to be and feel thankful towards Owen with the urinal incident versus the donut tasting like freedom incident, right? And so as I've been reflecting on this, it just shows thankfulness, really. It rises and falls. It ebbs and flows with our circumstances and our perspective, doesn't it? And I don't mean to sound trite about thankfulness. That's kind of our entry point. But as we all come in here today, there's a lot that we have on our minds, a lot more important and weightier things than what I just shared that impact our thankfulness, that impact how we wrestle with the reality of thankfulness from God's word. And for us as gresham bible church maybe even a real time specific thing is the news about josh and liz and their family moving to answer god's call to go to redlands california maybe that's been hard to feel thankful with surprising news like that and then of course for any of us that are aware of the world around us and how can you not be nowadays right with all the headlines all the evil all the injustice how does it just not feel suffocating and overwhelming. How can I even feel thankful? It just doesn't even feel right to talk about thankfulness with everything around us. So being thankfulness is difficult if we're all being honest. It can really feel out of step with our day-to-day life, with our real life, especially when we're suffering, especially maybe it's hard to be thankful when you don't feel like that life is going the way that it should, right? It's surprising you that impacts your thankfulness. And maybe when you're struggling with thankfulness and the trial you're going through, it just feels like it's just going to crash you against the rocks, right? It's hard to be thankful when life is just pummeling you. Well, today in Psalm 138, in the text in front of you, God's Word in front of you, it's going to highlight that we don't have to know a lot of things to be really thankful. As Christians, though, we need to know that the root and the ground of our thankfulness is sure and glorious and true. So the big idea of Psalm 138 that we're going to explore together here in a minute, the big idea is that the foundation of true thanksgiving is God's character, not your circumstances. So please join me in prayer before we begin. Father, we praise you for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. We all come here today, Lord, bringing so many things with us. Father, quiet our noisy hearts now. I pray that your word today will comfort those of us who are afflicted and will graciously afflict those who are comfortable living without you. Father, we need to hear from you today. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Give us hearts to confess, repent, and believe. Open your word to us now and open us to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Psalm 138, we're going to see three points of emphasis in the text. Let me read you the text, and we'll explore them together. Psalm 138, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. So we're going to see three things from Psalm 138 today. First, we're going to see true thanksgiving, and then we're going to see the foundation of true thanksgiving, and then the fullness of true thanksgiving from Psalm 138. And first, probably a lot of you in the room already have some context or backdrop knowing uh, about the book of Psalms, but I just want to ground us so we're all on the same page before we dive in. So Psalms is basically a hymn book, right? It's a prayer book of God's people as they waited for the future promised king, right? We live on this side of the cross looking back. Psalms was written and compiled together on the other side of the cross looking forwards, Psalms is actually the book of the Bible that Jesus quotes the most in the New Testament. And Psalms, again, they weren't just written to be read. It's a book that's intended to be sung, right? To be prayed. It's a hymn book. So that's the type of book and genre that we're going to be looking at here. And what's really cool about the book of Psalms when you study it, the the book was compiled after the people of Israel, right? After they're put into exile, So really, the book of Psalms, the original audience, was intended to be a book for exiles. And when we think about us today, as we're looking forward to the new heavens and new earth, aren't we exiles too? So the book's written to us as well. And I'm sure, like uh, myself, many of you love the book of Psalms. And the reason I do is just because it's so honest, right? It's so raw. It speaks to the human condition, what we all feel in our day-to-day lives. It's been said about the book of Psalms, and I quote, Every feature and circumstance of life is transmitted into the Lord's presence and put into the context of what is true about him. Psalms is beautiful. It connects on so many different ways with us. So look down at the text in front of you. I hope you have your Bible. Look at verse one. Put your finger on the text. What's it say? I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. So in verse one... He doesn't bury the lead. We already see what true thanksgiving is. Look at the first half of verse one. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. So there's a full fullness to the praise here. It's from David's whole heart. It's not lukewarm. It comes from the very center of his will, of his affections, of what he loves. That's the type of thanksgiving and praise here we already see in verse one. And that's because Our lips follow what our hearts love. So David is praising, he's thanking God here because that is at the core, the center of of his being of what he loves. So as we reflect on that, not only is our thanks to be like this with our whole hearts, it's also to be bold and unashamed like David here in verse one. Look at the second half of verse one. It's this praise that's with his whole heart and where is it? It's before the gods David is singing God's praises. So gods here, it can mean a few different things in Psalm 138. It can mean angels or mighty beings or rulers or idols. So when you take a step back for a moment and consider this, think about the culture David was in then, right? So here's God's people and there's all these other nations and people groups around them that worship idols, that worship other gods. So, here in Psalm 138, David is praising God with his full, full hearted praise in front of these other idols from the cultures all around him. And again, when you think about it, isn't that a lot like our day and age? Aren't God's people today surrounded by a culture that worships other gods and other idols? And isn't this especially true in our time and place, in our cultural moment here in the Pacific Northwest? I mean, we're in and around the Portland, Oregon area, right? A lot of false gods, of counterfeit gods, of idols are worshiped around our culture today. I mean, if you just think about it, if you go downtown and look at all the high rises as the center of Portland, idols are worshiped every day. The idol of comfort and security is sacrificed for every day in the greater Portland, Oregon area. The idol of approval and power is praised in our day in our economy, in our politics, in our entertainment. We all still look for satisfaction and justification in things other than God. So in verse 1, we see this true thanksgiving is to be with your whole heart, and it's to be praising God in front of the idols all around you. We see that in the very first verse of Psalm 138. But if you're being honest, and I hope you are, If you're anything like me the thanksgiving that comes out of my heart is so often so far from this kind of true thanksgiving so we need to ask where do we get this kind of thanksgiving this kind of praise that we see in psalm 138 really a thanksgiving that lights fire to your soul and puts steel in your bones a thanksgiving that perseveres through life's pains and disappointments and this is a thanksgiving here that isn't naive It's not a bumper sticker, it's not to be Christian branded on a t-shirt, but it's a thanksgiving that isn't fickle with your circumstances, and a praise that doesn't evaporate when life pulls the rug out from under you. So I want to help us picture this true thanksgiving. We're already seeing in the first verse of Psalm 138, verse often the type of thanksgiving that's in my life and your life too. And what comes to mind is this illustration. So here's what I mean. So picture you're taking a walk, maybe with some friends, family, whatever. You're going on a walk and you see this tree up ahead of you on the trail. And you think, oh, that looks like a big fruit tree, maybe like a big apple tree, right? And then as you get closer, you start to see some red hints on it. Oh, this is gonna taste so good. Fresh, juicy apples, maybe out by Hood River as you get closer to the tree. But then as you're right up to it, you see that it's not real fruit, not real apples at all on the tree. Instead, someone took a bunch of fake plastic fruit, like the fruit my kids have, and they stapled it to the branches of this tree. So from a distance, it looked like real fruit. But when you get up to it, it's not. It's counterfeit fruit. It's fake plastic fruit. And when we think about it, Again, if we're being honest, that's true of the thankfulness in a lot of our lives too, isn't it? From a distance, we all can appear to be thankful, or we know the right thing to say in our Christian subculture about being thankful. But when difficulties come, it becomes clear the fruit on the tree of our lives isn't real fruit at all. It's only counterfeit thankfulness. So Gresham Bible Church, I want us to ask here from Psalm 138, have this in your mind. Is the thankfulness and praise in your life the fruit of good circumstances or the fruit of true wholehearted thanksgiving to God? Because there's a world of difference between the two, real or counterfeit thankfulness. So I wonder if you've tasted of that real kind of thankfulness before. Maybe when you've been wandering in the darkness of depression, like a lot of us in this room have before, when you're pushing back the ache of loneliness, or in our time and place when the headlines just don't seem to stop and just the violence and evil in the world just seems overbearing, right? You just can't take it anymore. So in light of God's word in front of you in Psalm 138, we have to ask, where do we get the power to sing and where do we get the power to pray Songs and prayers like this that we see in Psalm 138, in the midst of the day to day disappointments and distresses of the lives we all live, what is the foundation of this real God glorifying thankfulness we see here in Psalm 138? And this brings us to the second emphasis in our passage today, and that's the foundation of true thanksgiving. So again, look down at God's word in front of you, focus on verses two and three. It's going to show us the why that's underneath true thanksgiving, and it's a foundation for true thanksgiving that's glorious and good, and it's never, ever going to fail you. And as we go through this, I want you to come away today seeing this is right here in God's word. Okay, I want you to, I want to show you exactly how we're going to get here. So verses two and three, look down, what's it say? I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. So the foundation of true Christian thanksgiving is God himself. Look at verse 2. Proclaims that our thanksgiving and our praise is because of God's character, not our immediate circumstances. So here in verse 2, David is giving thanks He's proclaiming God's greatness. He's praising God for God's character name. Namely, God's steadfast love and faithfulness. And God's steadfast love and faithfulness, that's God's resume name. That's who God declares about himself, who he is. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, listen to this. This is God describing himself. How does God describe himself? The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, Slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So that is God proclaiming about himself who he is, that he abounds in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's what David is praising here. That's the foundation for his thankfulness, is God's character. But then look more in verse 2. We see we're to give thanks for God. And when you say for steadfast love and thankfulness, think because of. Now David gives us even another for or because of that's underneath that. Remember, we're looking for the foundation of Christian thankfulness. So look at the second half of verse 2. God's word's amazing. It's just right here on the pages in front of you. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. So already in one short verse, notice that there's multiple for or because of, right? We're getting underneath something. We're driving somewhere. They build on one another. The bedrock of David's full-hearted thanksgiving and praise here in Psalm 138 is that God is God-centered, that God exalts above all things his name and his word. Look at the page in front of you. It's right there in Psalm 138. David praises God ultimately for God's faithfulness to himself, to his glory and his unchanging character. And this is really, really, really good news. So Psalm 138, it shows us that true thanksgiving, it praises the God who exalts himself above all things. Because think about it, what better thing is there for God to be about? God being God-centered is good and right and beautiful and true, and it's really good news for us. When we hear talk like that, I don't know about you, but in my life when I've heard that at multiple times, I kind of grate against it a little bit, right? It kind of feels like I'm saying that God's a narcissist. And we've all grown up saying, being taught that, hey, being a narcissist, narcissist isn't a good thing, right? But we have to not bring that baggage to Psalm 138. It's really good that God is God-centered, and it's good for us in ways that are different than if a person is just all about himself or herself. So about God's God-centeredness, it's kind of like this. So, picture with me like us wanting to be at the center rather than God. It's like if little planet Mercury went off to planet school with his little planet backpack, maybe his Star Wars backpack, right? Little planet Mercury goes off to planet school, and over the years he's at planet school and he just starts to notice a trend. It sure seems like that the sun wants to be the center all the time, and everything seems to orbit around the sun, right? And little planet Mercury, as he gets older, starts to think, hey, I want my turn at the center. Who does this sun think he is? Always making everything about himself. I should be at the center. Think about that for a minute. What if Mercury and the sun like traded places? For all of us that even have like grade school astronomy learning, right? What would happen? Our whole universe solar system would collapse on itself because there's not enough energy. There's not enough mass. There's not enough gravity at the center to hold it all together if it's not based on the sun. That's kind of what happens in us when we read verses like this in Psalm 138, and we're, whoa, God is about his name and his glory first. It's good that God is God-centered. God's just like that, and again, he's not just another planet. God should be self-centered, and again, it's very good for us that he is. So, in verse 2 of our passage, we've already seen David acknowledges this. He praises God for the reality of God exalting above all things his name and his word. God's God centeredness is the foundation for real, true thanksgiving. Because if the foundation for thankfulness in your life is just centered upon yourself and your circumstances, what's going to happen? Don't we all know this? It's going to crumble that's going to crack, that's going to spin out of control. Like if Mercury was at the center of the solar system. So, so far in Psalm 138, even these first few verses, we've seen that our thanks and praise is because of who God is. It's because of his steadfast love and faithfulness. It's because God exalts above all things his name and his word. So, the taproot of our thankfulness is grounded in the very character of God and we haven't even gotten to the best news yet. The best news of Psalm 138 is that it points us to the ultimate expression of all of this, right? The ultimate expression of God's steadfast love and faithfulness, and the reality that he exalts above all things, his name and his word. Psalm 138 points us to Jesus like a sunbeam points to the sun. Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's steadfast love and faithfulness of his character name of Exodus 34 6. In Psalm 138, we see God is saying he exalts above all things his name and his word. How is Jesus described? He's described as the name of God, like in Philippians 2, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How's Jesus described at the beginning of the book of John as the word of God? So Jesus exalts above all things his name and his word. It points us to Jesus. Psalm 138, it beautifully peels back the curtain, like to the center, the core of all reality. And that's that the foundation of true thanksgiving is really the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's right here in front of you on the pages of Scripture, and it's glorious. And the reason why that's true, for those of you that have believed in Jesus in this room, is because if you're a Christian, that means that Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that could ever really, truly hurt you, and that's you being cast away from God. Jesus took that away. He brought you near to God, right, at his own sacrifice, so there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Like Romans 8 says, not even distress, right? So the root, the ground, the foundation of Christian thankfulness is about Jesus. And this means that we can truly be thankful even in our suffering because ultimately our agony will be turned to glory and our losses gain. That's amazing. Like all your pain is undone in Jesus. When you reflect on Jesus and the nature of the gospel, it fuels real true thanksgiving in your life. The Christian's thankfulness and praise is unshakable because God's character is unshakable. So Gresham Bible Church, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. And I really, really mean this. No matter what we're going to go through, any of us individually or us corporately in this room, no matter what we're going to go through this next year, it can't be because God isn't good and that God isn't faithful and that God doesn't love you and that God isn't in control. Jesus has proven that for all time at the cross. So Psalm 138 points us to Jesus. And then our last emphasis today, we've seen what true thanksgiving is. We've seen the foundation of true thanksgiving. Let's enjoy the last emphasis, and that's the fullness of true thanksgiving from Psalm 138. Psalm 138 shows us why we can have true thanksgiving not just now, but also into the future, both at the same time. First, the thankfulness of Psalm 138, it has a nowness to it. This thankfulness that we're seeing here, this this full-hearted thankfulness, it should invade our life now, and it takes us somewhere. Look at verse 3. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. Think about that for a minute. What's David saying here about Christian thankfulness? There's a flavor here that God didn't answer David's prayer and maybe the way he prayed it right? Just like any of us, David's human. He probably prayed to be taken out of some hard situations. What does David say, though? How did God answer answer his prayer? My strength of soul you increased. So God didn't take David necessarily out of his particularly difficult situation, but he gave David strength to persevere, and there's a reason for that. Look down again. uh, Right here, verse 7, what does it say? David writes, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. So in verse 7 again, we see the nowness of this true, real Christian thanksgiving. We see David isn't delivered from all his trials because why? He's still walking in the midst of them. In the midst of his trials is where he's thanking and praising God like this. We can praise God in the same way because the foundation of our praise is based on God's character and not our circumstances. Even in the midst of trouble, God preserves David's life. He preserves our life through Jesus. The Christian can thank God in all circumstances because God is bigger than our circumstances, right? Because he's more powerful than our pain and because he's truer than all our fears. Christian thankfulness, when it's centered on God, it's supernatural, it's amazing, it reorients everything difficult circumstances don't prevent god from answering prayer and they don't short circuit the steadfast love and faithfulness we see here in psalm 138 in fact probably many of this room know this difficult circumstances only make god's character shine in your life right like a beautiful sunrise over mount hood it only gives god glory so I'm curious when you think about this of God answering David's prayer, being faithful to David, David praises God, but he isn't taking David out of the midst of his trouble. Like, how's that sit with you? Because we all bring different troubles into this room in this moment, too. I wonder how much you consider what God does in our trials in relation to thankfulness. Isn't God, it seem most concerned, even here in Psalm 138? about forming us into a particular type of person more than the circumstance he didn't take David out of the midst of his trouble but David's still praising him because God remains faithful I think I I know I've been convicted of this this last week reflecting on this when we think back about God's faithfulness it's easy to even talk with other believers and like yeah that moment a year ago 10 years ago whenever you praise God for that moment man God was so faithful in that hard time but then it's like there's this amnesia in our hearts and we don't fully realize that and cling to that in the moment when things are difficult. We want to praise and thank God for things in the past. It's a lot harder to do it now. But again, there's a nowness to this kind of praise that we see in Psalm 138. Uh, author Dane Ortland writes it like this. I thought this um, just hit me and I hope it encourages you. Dane Ortland writes, it is tears not smiles that form the anvil on which solid joy in God is forged. So look with me at verse six. What's it say? For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. So how is God's greatness? How's his glory described here in Psalm 138 and verse six? It's by his goodness, by his mercy to the lowly. It says, for though the Lord is high, right, he's exalted, he's above us, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Here in verse 6, we see the important truth of God's transcendence and eminence, right? He is so much bigger and greater than us, and yet, because God's merciful and kind and good in his steadfast love and faithfulness, he's near to us. God is not distant from us the glorious and sovereign God of the universe. Look at verse 6. He regards the lowly. Wow. And yet he's opposed to the proud. That's God's character we're seeing here in Psalm 138. That's the framework for this kind of thankfulness and praise we're talking about. And again, just think about that for a minute. God regards the lowly. God regards the lowly. Like you, like me, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. So God's not distant. Psalm 138 is clearly showing us that. He's near to the brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. He regards the lowly. And this Psalm 138, it has like this background drumbeat, like just an ongoing beat to it. And it's that we can be thankful in our present circumstances because of the good and gracious character of god right psalm 138 is about god and our response to it and so as we're going to move to a close i want us to enjoy one more emphasis from psalm 138 so we're talking about the fullness of this true thanksgiving so it's in our present he regards the lowly in the midst of our troubles but then also look at verse 4. what's it say all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks o lord For they have heard the words of your mouth. So, this true thanksgiving in Psalm 138, it's pointing us somewhere. It has a certain horizon in view. And then, is verse 4, when you read that, could you accurately say that that is true in our world in 2022? Do all the kings of the earth praise God? definitively 100% no right most rulers of the world in our day and age whether it be in corporate world political world whatever they mock god they don't praise god so what is david talking about here in verse 4 in verse 4 again we're seeing another glimpse of david on his knees thanking god and he's looking forward to a future horizon to a preview a glimpse of the future reign of king jesus When all kings, when all rulers bow their knee and worship Jesus. This ultimate horizon is what's fueling David's thankfulness here. Again, he's looking beyond his immediate circumstances, even though he's in the midst of his troubles, to the final horizon where King Jesus rules and reigns. In order for us to give God thanks with our whole heart in our present troubles, in our circumstances, it's absolutely critical we see and live in view of that same final horizon that's what's happening here in psalm 138 our thankfulness when you think about it our praise it should have a forward lean to it it needs to have a certain posture to it and that posture is that it's facing the eternal horizon of heaven where jesus wears the crown where all kings and rulers will bow their knee Where Jesus wears the crown because he experienced the cross for us. This thankfulness we're seeing in Psalm 138, it functions in our hearts like a compass and it points us to true north. And maybe you noticed back in verse 2, where David said he bows down towards your holy temple. That should like give you pause for a minute when you're familiar with the story of Scripture. Like, wait, David is bowing down towards your holy temple here. And in Hebrew, the word temple means a permanent structure. It's not just the tabernacle in David's day. So again, there's a forward-looking posture to David's prayer and thanks here. In Psalm 138, David is worshiping in faith. He's looking ahead to the closer horizon of when the temple was going to be built by his son. But then he's looking beyond that to the ultimate horizon again of the new temple, right? Where Jesus is at the center of the new heavens and new earth. So Psalm 138 should whet our appetite for eternity. And the key to having real God-glorifying thankfulness like this, we can see it. It's trusting God in our present, and then it's having the right horizon in view, the horizon of heaven. Because when we think about it, when you kind of look in the mirror and see, when I'm unthankful, what's happening inside my heart? It's because you have unmet expectations or desires, right? You think in your heart of hearts, God isn't treating you like you deserve. Maybe like even you think he promised to you. When I'm feeling unthankful, it's because I think I deserve my heaven now. Psalm 138 is saying, we don't get our heaven now, we get it later. And that's what we're to be praying for, trusting God in for his promises to be kept and who he is our hearts here from Psalm 138 should be recalibrated to God's steadfast love and faithfulness when we see the true horizon of heaven. When you think about it, again, God's God-centeredness, his faithfulness to exalt, his steadfast love and faithfulness, his name and his word is a foundation for all of this that points us to heaven. It fuels thankfulness in our here and now. Listen to this. Jonathan Edwards once said, our bad things turn out for good, Our good things can never be lost, and the best things are yet to come. That's the kind of beautiful truth that Psalm 138 is talking about here. So as we close, let me plead with you for a response. Maybe after considering Psalm 138, you want to be thankful like this. Maybe you even think you should be thankful like this, but you're not. The arteries of your heart are clogged with unthankfulness when you see what's happening here in Psalm 138. Or maybe you're here today and you haven't trusted in Jesus yet, and if that's you, I'm really glad you're here, and I'd ask you to consider what you've heard and maybe talk to the person you've came with about Jesus and about what you've heard. But if you're here today and you're a Christian and being thankful like what we see here in Psalm 138, if it just feels so foreign to you or so impossible... I want you to not get stuck there, okay? As we leave, the last thing I want to leave you with is another burden or for you to feel like, all right, it's on me to be a more thankful person, to have an attitude of gratitude, and it's on me. That's not what Psalm 138 is saying. Psalm 138 is pointing us to God. It's pointing us outside of ourselves to God's glory and grace and goodness in Jesus. The way forward isn't just to perform better and try harder. That only makes you more stuck in the quicksand of unthankfulness. So if you've realized today that your thankfulness is way too small, it's way too shallow, let me encourage you to confess and repent and join me in this. In taking your unthankfulness to Jesus, confessing and repenting, and asking him to make you more thankful in who he is and what he has for you. Because the only thing we have to offer God is our need of him. So GBC, let's confess and repent of each of our unbelief, of our unthankfulness, if we're all being honest. It's inside all of us. And trust in God's steadfast love and faithfulness, that God is a God-centered God who above all exalts his name and his word. And that's very good news for us because the foundation of true thanksgiving is Jesus. And because of the fullness of that foundation, right? It's in our present and it's our, in our future, we can say along with the old Saint Charles Spurgeon who said this, I have learned to kiss that wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Please join me in prayer. Father, you are so good. We need you. We confess and repent, Lord, of seeking our satisfaction and our thankfulness in our circumstances rather than in your character. We praise you for your steadfast love and faithfulness. We praise you that you have exalted above all things your name and your word. We praise you for Jesus. Comfort and renew us today with your amazing grace. May you increase in our lives and may we decrease. Lord, if there are any here today that haven't yet trusted in Jesus, I pray you will draw them to yourself by your spirit. We praise you that whoever believes in Jesus will ultimately never be disappointed. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.